your host. We're coming to you from the heart of America's heartland, Des Moines, Iowa. And if you like what we're doing here, and I hope you do, we could sure use your support. Uh, you can visit the uh, Fallon Forum website, learn more about the program, also go to the donations page, or if you run a small business or a nonprofit, consider becoming a sponsor of this program. And uh, speaking of sponsors, uh, thank you to Gateway Marketing Cafe. That's Des Moines' locally owned uh, grocery store and specialty food store. They're open seven days a week, cafe as well. Uh, delivery service, carry out, dining, you name it, they've got it. Also, they've got a great uh, catering service and a floral service. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has cared for various creatures, large and small, for over 30 years. You can learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page or by stopping in at their office between Ames and Nevada. All right, so later in the program, uh, during our farm and food segment, Kathy Burns and I will share a, a heartfelt tribute to our pet and uh, team member of our farm uh, who died last week. That's uh, Kat Mika. We'll be, uh, yeah, we'll be sharing that. Kind of a somber moment for us. But I first want to welcome to the program uh, Charles Goldman, uh, who I guess has a couple things stuck in his craw today. Um, so much so that if I pause the show to perform the Heimlich maneuver, you'll understand. <laughs> Charles, welcome to the program. It's good to see you. I, I didn't know. I didn't realize Mika wasn't here. Until... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, uh, the last two times we had a guest here, she was under their chair. That's where she chose to go and die. I say. Yeah. Anyway. Did any of the guests know she was already dead for two weeks? No, she was not <laughs> dead for two weeks. We did not do that. Anyway, we were, I was actually, we were both actually by her side when she passed. So it was a, and in terms of hospice, they went very well. And I had to take one of our cats to uh, the ICU at the vet so that my daughter could make it home from college. Well, wait, wait, what's the connection? Well, same thing. I mean, you know. Oh, okay, okay. We you, took you, a, I guess it was hospice. You're trying to delay the, delay yeah, the right. departure exactly. down. Okay, exactly. right, right, right. Yeah, well, we didn't. We we let nature take its course entirely, except for one visit with our our veterinary friend. Um, yeah, and but, her minister, <laughs> and the cat's minister. No, she's uh, she's Muslim, I think. Actually, no, I don't. Who knows what a cat is? Uh, she's probably some kind of uh, some kind of animist. <laughs> I would say probably agnostic. <laughs> agnostic, right? I think all cats are agnostic. Well, yeah, because they're, they're gods themselves. <laughs> so. Which reminds me of my, my, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, uh, a dog sees its owner and says, oh, he feeds me, he pets me, he loves me, he, mm -hmm. he, must, he must be God. The cat sees his owner and says, he pets me, he feeds me, he loves me, he must think I'm God. I'm God. Yeah, all, right. Right. <laughs> all right, so speaking of the gods of Olympus, how's that for a segue? Uh, you know, the first Olympics went back in Athens a few years back, um, and uh, the modern Olympics... Um, well, you aren't too happy with the way things are going, apparently. No, it's interesting because, you know, we've heard a lot about that this is Munich 2022. Um, you know, basically that this is sports watch. Uh, sports watch. You mean because Munich was so politicized? Well, because it once again was a uh, Olympics that was held in a country, an authoritarian country, with what was already known to be going on in terms of... Uh of the Jews weren't yet in concentration camps. But yeah, you're not were, referring to Munich in 72, you're no, referring to Munich, Munich in 36. Right. During That's why I'm calling this Munich 2022. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Yes, right. exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we've heard a lot on the, the mass media about the issue with, you know, the uh, repression of the Uyghurs. Um, and the irony is, is that China had the Summer Olympics a short time ago. 
right? Yeah, uh, 2008. 2008. And the purpose was to open up China to the world and actually to try... China's to, coming out. Right. And right, it was right. the idea was to, uh, by including them in, in, in the world at large, that they would then become less authoritarian. Oops. And, Oops. Yeah, of course, that hasn't yeah. happened. And they're, they're probably worse now than they were. What's that? They're probably worse. I mean, look, oh, no, they look at Taiwan, worse. Hong Kong, internal dissent, uh, the, the tennis star, who, who knows what's really going on with her. Yeah, they, they yeah. trotted her out for her, her appearance with the uh, head of the IOC. Wait, yeah, with back, background, it's hard to know whether they were, that, was, that was sincere or whether she is just you know, being forced to do that. I don't know. What do you think? It certainly seems like she's being forced to, I would, hmm. I would think. But, um, you know, we've heard a lot about these issues. Uh, and and it, it really does raise the question. I, I mean, I, I think the Olympics in general are just a reprehensible event. Um, I mean, first of all, the nationalism that goes along with it. You know, everybody is always, you know, rooting for their team, in spite of the fact that we do very little for our team. <laughs> um, and you know, this is these are people's individual accomplishments. What, yeah, what does a team mean anymore? I mean, you can. You know, an athlete that has moved to the U.S. from uh, you pick your country and is enrolled is enrolled in college here can be running for the U.S. or can spend uh, quite a long time here and then decide to go back and run for well, right. Their and, home and, country, in fact, you know? in fact, they 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 eviscerated this uh, U.S. national who went back and um, is competing in the figure skating for the Chinese team oh, right. because she you know screwed up her short program and and so. You know, China, who bought like three billion dollars worth of TikTok, you know, time, um, of course, is using it to to eviscerate this girl. But you know, it's kind of like what you saw with the Simone Biles thing. I mean, it you know, it's it the the you know the the athletic fan. It's like the NFL fans. You know, the people who are sitting in the stands drinking beer with a with a big gut. You know, well, not not of the Olympics. They're no. all lean and mean. No, but it's the same thing. Which everybody everybody criticizes when their team doesn't win or their athlete doesn't win. You know, that's that's bad enough. But the choice of China again shows you just how absolutely corrupt the IOC is. That's the International Olympic Committee. Yeah, and yeah. and just in terms of all that's going on, because at the time in in two thousand eight, the issue was their Tibetan repression. Right now, of course, we have all these other things, the, the, the Uyghurs, the, the, which is yeah. well documented. This isn't made up. Right, um, right. You know, re-education camps. I mean, this is this is communism. But is there a powerhouse nation in the world that doesn't have some 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 level of uh, human rights abuses that are documented, including the U.S. I mean, maybe nowhere near as bad as China. But uh, well, that's, come on. yes, I mean, you could make that argument. As as President Trump once did about what well, we kill people too, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not going that far. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, yeah, I remember saying that on the campaign yeah, yeah, trail. Sure. So, um, but 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 China, why? I, yes, of course, you can point to human rights because abuse, Kazakhstan you know. was the other option. I have no idea what the other <laughs> options were. I think but, Kazakhstan was in the running. I think. But what what made me think of this even more? Because I mean, I will not watch a minute of this, and you know, I hope NBC loses. Billions of dollars on this because enough is enough. Probably not with supporting this corrupt IOC. Okay, so what about they pick? They pick the country. There's no snow. 
There is no snow where they're holding the Winter Olympics in this Well, they manufactured the what? Incredible amounts of snow. Right. Yeah. The average amount of snow in the region where this is being held outside of Beijing is two and a half inches a year. Hey, let me, let me remind folks, if you're watching our live stream, you can tune in and join the conversation by texting 515-519-6323. That's 515-519-6323. Text us, and we will call you right back and bring you into the conversation. Uh, in the meantime, Charles, you were saying, um, I, I want to I, yeah, I talk about the um, huge environmental and human rights consequences of China's massive snow production industry. Yeah. But, but but I want to just back to the bigger issue of um, whether the Olympics are a good or a bad thing. I mean, here's the uh, IO, IOC President Thomas Bach, quote, In our fragile world where division, conflict, and mistrust are on the rise, we show the world that it is possible to be fierce rivals while at the same time living peacefully and respectfully together. If we are getting in the middle of tensions, disputes, and confrontations of the political powers, then we are putting the games at risk. How would you respond to that? Well, that's true, but let's have the Olympics be what they are. Stop making it about this phony peace among nations. It's an athletic competition. It's just a high-level athletic competition. And its main reason to be has disappeared. Its main reason to be was to give amateurs something to compete at that high level and be visible. That doesn't exist anymore. None of these people are amateurs really anymore. I mean, some of them yeah. still are, but well, the vast but, but majority you, you could argue, are pros. But could you, you could argue that was it ever right that any of them should be, quote, amateurs, meaning not paid? Well, of course, I it mean, was a joke. I mean, it was a yeah, joke. I mean, the, 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 the amount of time and effort involved in training for any high-level competition, it's a huge investment. Mm -hmm. and, to, and to try to pretend that you can do that while holding down a 9-to-5 job at McDonald's, well, that's, that's ridiculous. So I, don't, I personally have no problem with them becoming, quote, professional. No, I don't either. But I don't I, like the corporate sponsorships. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, it's, 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 basically, it's basically become something for the well-to-do and the rich to jet off to, to participate in. It's become a status symbol. But I, I think it's a total corruption of the Olympic ideal to be holding it in China again after what you claim was going to happen the first time never happened. But then you, the, you mean that the China would become right the opening uh, up of China after the less uh, uh, less repressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then to hold it in a country where there's no snow, <laughs> it's Winter Olympics. <laughs> I understand you have you only have the northern hemisphere for the most part to choose from, but well, or Tierra del Fuego, maybe, or maybe if you New go Zealand, yeah, if you yeah, go far but, south enough, that's correct. Yeah. But I mean, it it's just nutty. I mean, they are literally they had to pre-saturate the ground. So that the the snow that they're making wouldn't just slide off of the ground, they brought millions of gallons of water north to be able to make snow. They they if you look at the pictures of this, the runs have snow on them, and the rest of the mountain is completely barren yeah, yeah, of snow. Yeah, yeah. Then they the Olympic Village, which normally I mean when you come out with your skis, you got your ski boots on. You know, you're crunching on the snow. Right. Zero snow. But part of this isn't China's fault. This is, I mean, what? Well, of course that, it is. Well, they well, knew I, there was no snow there when it, they but, picked but, it. But, but climate change is having a huge impact on snowfall globally. That's uh, true. Even the places we think of as snowy yeah. have to make snow these days. Well, it, but they don't have to make all the snow. Right. Well, <laughs> is this the first time they've made 100% of the, the snow has been made? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's a... Uh, 
what, what, I mean, what, what really troubled me was that uh, there, are, there are entire communities that have been displaced in order to accommodate the, you know, in order to take the water needed. That's correct. To make the snow. Well, and so, they, they also trashed a, a bunch of uh, natural areas mm -hmm. um, for access to the, the snow. Um, and they had claimed they weren't going to do this, but they cut down like, I don't know how many million trees in, in you know, the uh, process yeah. of getting ready for this. It, it's an environmental disaster. So, so, it's so, the kind of profligacy that we can't afford anymore. Right. But as you said, it points out that you want to hit you want to talk about climate change yeah okay having to make snow in colorado having to make snow in the alps there's a problem to accommodate skiing to accommodate skiing yeah right i mean it's 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 almost as bad as golf courses <laughs> in, terms, in terms of water consumption <laughs> well in terms yeah. of of the of the non-environmental consciousness yeah. of them okay so correct. but 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 to i mean again in china you look at this and i can't i don't have that right in front of me but the uh the, the hundreds of thousands of people displaced mm -hmm. because of the uh, the movement of water uh, from water-rich areas to an arid, an arid mountainous area to accommodate the games. But again, who are we to talk about that? I mean, look at, look at the track record. Look at our track record in the U.S. On the, we're, we're on the confluence of human rights and environmental violations. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's largely poor, native, brown and black communities, uh, not, not exclusively, Certainly, Iowa farmers are now in the crosshairs. Mm. I think an Iowa farmer is about 99.9% white, but in the crosshairs of three different pipeline proposals that, you know, they, 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 they use the argument that we're addressing climate change, but they're not. And, and it's, a, it's a, a huge environmental impact, um, not just threatening the water and, and the climate, but impact on the soil, uh, on the farm infrastructure. So, I mean, who, who, are we to, who are we to complain about China doing this? Not that we should be supporting it, not that we shouldn't be criticizing it, but we should also take a look at our own, our own, uh, you know, house first. Well, that that may well be true, but I I don't understand anyone supporting this decision, knowing full well the environmental cost. But but it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because one of the the American representative on the IOC made a statement that was surprisingly. Um, candid, in which he actually said that they, the IOC oftentimes likes dealing with autocratic regimes far better than the messy democracies of the West, because autocracies are able to do this. They're able to tell people, you're off your farms because we're taking your water for at right. least the next two years to get this ready. You can go back, but we're going to move you to apartments in the city. Okay. And again, this is reminding me of the U.S., uh, of the, I guess, the um, government... I don't know, was the city government or state government in Georgia uh, when Atlanta hosted the Olympics? Moving all the homeless out, putting them on buses and bringing them elsewhere. I mean, again, maybe that's not quite as egregious I, I don't as relocating a hundred thousands of people. But I, I don't think that's that's quite of the same. No, but it's 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 still well, because, despicable. Well, <laughs> were they worse off where they moved them to? I mean, they weren't running re-education camps for them. Right. And they weren't taking people who are farmers and telling them you're going to live in the city in an apartment for, All right. Point well for taken. two years. They might have been better off for a short time. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but, but I mean, I, this is, this is, and this is, this is something that you have to think about. I mean, the assumption that we make is that people in this country appreciate democracy. Mm -hmm. um, but democracy is, is messy. 
Yeah, and that, having to have competing interests trying to vie sure. for limited resources we, is messy. And I think we get things done slower. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't appreciate what democracy has to offer. But I think also I would argue that I, I don't know how, objectively, I'm not sure how effective or healthy or strong our democracy is currently. No, but the point I'm making is you can understand why people around the world are wondering whether autocratic systems wouldn't be more to their benefit than democracies. Right. Well, you know, because remember, democracies are not rights. The rights that we cherish can, to some degree, be expressed within an autocracy. Now, autocracies tend to become like China, which they become surveillance states, and nobody really has rights. But Hey, uh, this is Ed Fallon, folks. Uh, Charles Golden with me. Um, we've got to take a short break. We'll be right back with uh, more conversation in just a minute. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. You're responsible for a lot, and it's easy to become overwhelmed, to feel helpless, even hopeless. What's not so easy is finding your way back to feeling and functioning better. Psychiatrist Dr. David Drake helps individuals and couples throughout Iowa with the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling. Dr. Drake also prescribes medication when needed, and his services are offered on a self-pay basis. If you need help, don't delay. Contact Dr. Drake at daviddrakefamilypsychiatry.com. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. If you're listening to our live broadcast, you can join us by texting your name to 515-519-6323. That's 515-519-6323. We'll call you back on a different line and bring you into the conversation. Uh, thanks to psychiatrist Dr. David Drake. Uh, if you live uh, in Iowa, wherever you live in Iowa, Dr. Drake can help through the convenience and privacy of televideo counseling offered on a self-pay basis. Contact DavidDrakeFamilyPsychiatry.com. Thanks to all of our business partners, including Architecture by Synthesis, adamantly and actively supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Owner Mark Clipsham knows we have to build better health for people and the planet, and the services he provides are committed to that goal. That's Architecture by Synthesis. All right, later in the program, we're going we're to talk about education, but um, I have a feeling Charles is not done venting on uh, the Olympics yet. <laughs> no, I'm really not venting on the Olympics. I mean, I, I, I have to be honest. I had never planned to watch a minute of them. No, um, you mean how about in past years? Uh, no. Oh, well, then, then, then why does your opinion even matter? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's just that we have, you know, we're inundated with this. We're inundated with its association with, you know, patriotism and all the other stuff. Uh, well, and well pa- patriotism isn't a problem. Nationalism is. But love of one's country, that's okay, right? What's wrong with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, this is more than patriotism because the success of your athletes 
is seen as a reflection of the veracity of your way. Now, I you know, don't, and is, are we really that way in the U.S.? I, I don't get a sense that most people here, you know, feel a crushing defeat if the U.S. doesn't, quote, win the Olympics. Why don't you tell Simone Biles that? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I disagree with that. I think really, you the, think, you the, think the degree to which people vicariously live through sports is dangerous. Oh, I know that. I mean, you know, and... I mean, you, you, I mean you, you and I both took a big hit this week when Tom Brady retired. I mean, <laughs> our, our sense no of one, masculinity no has been, been well, damaged. No that. one more so than Dr. Gold. Well, your brother, yes. Your brother is probably in counseling as we speak. I haven't, weirdly, <laughs> I haven't spoken to him. Okay. I thought I'd hear from him by now. But I tell you, you know, I mean, my, the Olympics has meant a lot to me. First of all, I, 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 was, I, I did the decathlon in high school. Did you really? I, I was terrible at it, but I did it. But I know Which I, was I, your best of the 10 sports? Well, uh, I, See, I, at least I, know it's I, I had the school record on the high jump, so that was good. Uh-huh. And I had the I was on the four by four relay t- relay team that had the school record. So, right, so mid 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 distance jumps, I was good at. But when you start throwing things, so that, yeah, I just can't throw things, Charles. <laughs> you know, if I start throwing something at you, you have nothing to fear, okay? Even from this close. But no, the um, but what what really got me going? I mean, it's 1972. I'm what, 11, 12, uh, maybe 13. Yeah, 13, I guess. And I'm watching the Munich Olympics, and I'm watching the half mile. And I don't, I know nothing about the half mile. This is my first Olympics I've ever really watched. And there's this goofy-looking guy with a golf cap on, and the final of the 800-meter sets out. And he's like so far in last that we're all laughing at him. I mean, I'm there with my brothers and my dad, and we're like, oh, look at the goofy guy with the funny hat way in last place. It's that loser, you know? And then, you know, he was, he was behind for the first two-thirds, no, first almost three-fourths of the race. Mm. It wasn't until the back 200 that he started passing people. And he started passing. He passed a Kenyan. He passed another Kenyan. And then at the very end, he, he clipped, I think it was a Russian runner that he beat at the tape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like so inspired. There's a guy who people laughed at, and he never gave up, and he did really well. And I thought, I'd like to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I started running the half mile, and I started wearing a goofy golf cap. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite do as well as Dave Waddle did. That's what I'm talking about. But to me, that was very inspiring. It was inspiring on a personal level. It was much more personal than, oh, my country just scored a gold medal in the, in the 800 meter, you know? It was, like, it was like, there's this amazing guy who just ran this great race. Well, I, I, I think my personal problem with the, with the Winter Olympics is also the fact that so many of the sports, I don't want to say they're dilettantish, but, I mean, they are definitely the playground of people of, more economic means. Skiing is not a, nor is golf, in, in many ways, a, an accessible sport. Now, there Downhill are public, skiing. Right. Cross right. country is much cheaper. Right. That was my major in college. You know, and, and I don't think there are a lot of people out there doing cross country and that, what is it, the, where they shoot the rifles and they do the cross country? Um, that's called uh, Norwegians fighting Nazis in World War II. <laughs> well, I, I, I think it was based on that. But okay. no, I mean, so much about winter sports is, 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 is very exclusive, and I, you know. Whereas a lot of the the sports in the Summer Olympics are much more accessible to people, mm. and I think that's part of what I don't, where I don't have any affinity towards it. Um, so you're saying you have more affinity for the Summer Olympics than the Winter Olympics? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you know, because track and field. I mean, any right, any school right. in, in, little... in in an inner city where I grew up in New York had track team, they had a baseball yeah. team, they had a basketball team. Anybody could run, and right, especially exactly. if you were trying to get away from, from law enforcement, it was really handy. 
<laughs> great head, but um, no, I mean, I, I think it's it, well, I, it's the exclusivity of it that bothers me. It's the same thing I dislike about golf, except it's amazingly tedious. As you know, Robin Williams says, "This one, there's a reason why they call it a stroke." But um, <laughs> it's, it's 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 the fact that it does seem very exclusive, and the way that they handled the placement of the Olympics in China, yeah. the the fact that they were so tone deaf just points to again it's it, it's a it's an enterprise run by people who are hmm. um, of that economic class yeah I, I you know I think that's a fair criticism but I, I, I think um, to some extent I agree with Thomas Bach that um, that we ought to try to preserve the Olympics as, as as something above the political discourse although I don't think it's inappropriate to say to a country that has a horrible human rights record look um, we're going to come back to you about about letting you host the Olympics once you clean up your record, once mm. you stop doing the horrible things you're doing. Well, but the, you know, I, I mean, I think there have been examples where sports has diffused conflict. Mm-hmm. I mean, for instance, sure. uh, the Detroit Tigers in the World Series in 1968, a city that was basically being burned to the ground okay. in the midst of the 1960s. And right. it, it, it's absolutely true that it, it brought the city together. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, there are, I agree with you, sports can, can, can create common ground, can reduce conflict. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that that's what the Olympics, the Olympics have become the plaything of the wealthy. Oh, well, and, you know, and it's, it's. Let's try to take it back. Well, I don't know how to how's do that. How's that going to happen? <laughs> I don't know how how's to do that. that going to happen? But, but, you know, as I said, the other thing that bothered me is, is the absolute ecologic, the environmental damage that's being done to put these games on. That and it I found it interesting that we heard a lot about the Uyghurs and, you know, these other issues, the political issues, but we heard nothing except for one article in the New York Times. You oh know, no, there basically. were there were some other articles too. I mean but, you know, CNN yeah, had I mean, a story. Uh, yeah, I, I mean I, I found some when I was actually kinda for that. lame. Right. Yeah. I, I NPR rather was kinda lame. Yeah. Yeah. But um, mm. but it really was kind of pushed into the background. But I thought it was also interesting to understand that even places we think of as having a lot of snow yeah. don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. And well, I am, I, I mean, here here in Des Moines, uh, we had our largest one-time snowfall ever, mm-hmm. 14.7 inches. And uh, then we haven't was, had any since. We haven't had any since. We're actually, even though we had a snowfall that, we, that beat all the records, we're actually lower in terms of overall snowfall than normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, the case out west too. There could be some big problems out west for that, in that situation. Well, and Mount Everest glaciers are collapsing. Yeah. At 80, 80 times faster than they thought they would. 80 times, yeah. 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 I mean, those those are the kind of scary things. Yeah. Um, but as I said, NBC will not be getting any viewership from me for this. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they. Won't. I'm sure not, they're. Sure they're not caring I'm all sure that much really about sp- that. Did you hear? Charles Gold was not going to watch us. He's going to tune into Fox News instead. I might. You might. <laughs> Big Tucker Carlson fan? Huge. <laughs> Huge. Huge. Uh, hey, let's switch gears. Um, public education. Coming under attack across the country. Uh, very impressed, by the way, that uh, a, young, a group of teenagers, aged 13 to 16, has formed, I can't remember what state this was in, the Banned Books, Cl- Banned Books Club. They get together on a regular basis and read banned books. Uh, I'm impressed with that, but um, <laughs> that's only that's one of many things in response to legislative attempts in Iowa. You know, Iowa, 
Our quarter, our, our, our commemorative quarter back in 2004 says foundation in education. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like the Republican majority at the legislature. Well, they meant doing... Christian education. <laughs> well, no, that, 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 that quarter came into being when, the, when Vilsack was, a, was governor. Mm-hmm. He had a big, big part to play in that. But no, the, um, you know, the, the, the efforts of the state house to, uh, to, to divert funding from public schools to private schools, to um, allow parents to uh, file a lawsuit uh, against any teacher or librarian uh, that is deemed to have exposed their kid to pornography. Uh, some of these things are, uh, I just could never imagine what's happening. It's, uh, and, you know, it seems to me that the direction, the, ultimately the direction is not so much uh, to create religious schools, it's to create private schools that are owned by corporate interests that will make a lot of money on it. Just as our prisons have been privatized, to, not, not entirely, but a, a lot of elements. Now, of, where, where, where are you getting that from? Which? From this, this statement you're making about that what the, the end game is to hand over the public school infrastructure to private corporations. It's a $600 billion industry. And anytime you've got uh, a pot of money that big, uh, some corporation is going to try to weasel in on it. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's been part of what's behind this uh, movement over the past couple decades now to move money from the public coffers into private hands. See, that's really interesting because I, I, I kind of see it very differently. And I, well, then, I, I maybe, never really, that, that means you're wrong. Well, I may be wrong, <laughs> but I, 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 I kind of look at the history of, you know, private education. In, in the United States. Now, first of all, when we're talking about private education in in Iowa, um, 80% of the schools we're talking about are religiously affiliated. So you are you are talking about religious schools. And there is... Not a, exclusively, but mostly, yes. No, 80% yeah. of the schools sure. yeah, are, yeah. are religious affiliated. 80% of the private schools. Of the private yeah, schools, yeah, yeah. that's correct. And um, there, there have been, we've talked about you know, cases like Supreme Court cases, which have been brought in places like Montana, hmm. in which um, basically the decision by the Supreme Court very recently was that Montana government was obligated, if they were giving support to public schools in a certain manner, to give similar support to non-public schools slash religious schools. Um, I, I kind of see this, well, first of all, there's two parts, but let's just, let's just talk about the funding issue. I see this as a reinvigoration of the segregation schools of the 70s and the 60s and 70s. Okay. In the 60s and 70s, in response to Brown v. Education, there was a huge movement, particularly in, the, in parts of the Midwest um, and the South, to create schools outside of the public school system that would allow them to discriminate. Right. Now, they ran afoul of their tax-exempt status because since they were religiously affiliated primarily, they got the same tax-exempt status as the organization to which they were affiliated had. And the IRS finally came down on them and said, you cannot discriminate and receive federal funding or federal tax exemption, which is essentially federal funding. And that actually led to a situation where... um, the early, the early uh, nexus of the Christian fundamentalists and the Republican Party came about 
because of the IRS changing the status to non-tax exempt. Now we're back kind of doing the same thing, which mm -hmm. is these schools are able to pick and choose who can go. They can discriminate against LGBT if they claim it's their religious beliefs. That includes the students, their employees, their teachers, mm -hmm. right? They do not have to take special ed kids, right? So they want to leave they behind. They want to yeah. leave behind yeah. all of the high risk, right. difficult to educate kids in the public system, right. and they want to be able to discriminate. And now they have the Supreme Court, court and the law basically on their side. Let's uh, go to our phone lines uh, again: five one five five one nine sixty three twenty three. Text us if you want to join the conversation. Uh, this is uh, Frank from Des Moines. Hello, Frank. How you doing? Good. How are you, Eddie and Chucky? And this is Frankie. <laughs> Frankie, how you doing? Okay, you silly man. What's on your mind? I'm sure you agree with everything we just said about education. Uh, uh, well, you know, Ed, my phone system's giving me headaches around here, so I was just listening to what you guys were talking about earlier about the Olympics. Um, you, you know, after watching a frontline I think it was China's COVID secrets, how China, this is frontline now. This is not Donald Trump. This is frontline, a leftist organization, uh, Ken Burns, whatever puts on frontline. Mm -hmm. How China lied to the WHO, lied to their own citizens, lied to the world. I'm wondering why any um country in this world, free society in this world, would even entertain sending their athletes to China for these Olympics after what they perpetuated on this world. Charles? I, Frank, I, Frankie, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. <laughs> well, I, I, and, I, and I would disagree just because, I, again, I, I, I like what Thomas Bach, the IOC president, said that the Olympics should be, to the, to the greatest extent possible, above politics. And while I think it's not inappropriate to criticize China in this case, I think athletes should still be allowed to compete. Okay, I win that argument. Well, <laughs> I don't think you guys both agreed with me. I think no, I, I, no, I, I Ed, didn't agree Ed with you. Ed, uh, Ed, Ed disagrees. I didn't agree Go with ahead. you. Yeah. Ed disagrees. Um, I my my argument mainly is that it should never have even considered placing them in China. And I would, I actually saw that same front line. Um, and there was also another documentary with footage from a Chinese documentarian who somehow got. Um, was able to get footage inside the Chinese hospitals and, and to see what was going on and see the people dropping on the streets. And what was amazing was there was a, a, a farmer, a rural farmer came in to uh, one of the large Chinese cities where his son was in one of the hospitals. And he was just, you know, so unhappy and, and with the care he was receiving. And he was, he was constantly criticizing and his son eventually died. And then they interviewed him six week, six months later, and he's speaking about how great the government was and what a great job they did. I mean, it is, it is 1984 there. Hmm. Um, and this is, I, I, it, I, I, nothing, I, should, nothing should be done there. Yeah, I, don't, like I, don't, I don't disagree that, that uh, the Olympics should not have been held in China, but once that decision was made, and okay, let's move beyond that, let the individual athletes who have spent their entire you know, I spent committed all their energy to becoming the best possible performer in that sport. Let them compete. You know, but the problem is, yeah, Ed. But the but the problem, but the problem of it is, Ed. You got 
They got a city over there of 20 million people, according to the news, shut down and won't even let them go to the grocery store. I agree. Uh, that, that's not you know, good. We're having some kind of a diplomatic boycott on China. What's that mean? We're still sending our athletes. This is a dog and pony show put on by China, and we shouldn't even be allowing our athletes, and I think some of the athletes in the free world, you know, Germany, Italy, Spain, some of these other countries ought to support us in this and let them put on, you know, if Russia and China want to engage each other, more power to them. But mm. let's stay out of it. Well, it's always an interesting... what they perpetuated on this world, I think we need to just boycott them totally. Well, Frank, thanks for the call. It's always an interesting experience when uh, when Charles and Frank agree and I disagree. Anyway, when I'm on the... <laughs> okay. <laughs> what a strange world. Hey, we got to go on a real quick break here. Again, thanks for the call, Frank. Um, uh, this is Ed Fallon, folks, your host uh, with Charles Goldman. We've got to take a short break, then we'll be right back with more conversation. Groovy Goods is your Des Moines one-stop hippie shop. Located near Drake University, we are more than just a store. Groovy Goods is about community. We're a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. You will be greeted by friendly staff, the smell of incense, the vibration of healing stones and crystals, the vibrant colors of clothing and tapestries, and an extensive herbal apothecary and metaphysical products. At Groovy Goods, everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Check us out online, groovy-goods.com, or stop in at the corner of 23rd and University in Des Moines. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Forum, and if you are listening to our live broadcast, join us by texting your name to 515-519-6323. We'll call you back on a different line and bring you into the conversation. You can support this alternative to the Shock Jocks by becoming a monthly donor or a business sponsor. Check out the Fallon Forum website for details. And speaking of sponsors, thanks to Groovy Goods. That's Des Moines' one-stop hippie shop where everyone is welcome and no one is judged. Groovy Goods is a tribe brought together by peace, love, and rock and roll. Learn more at groovy-goods.com or stop in at 23rd and University in Des Moines. All right, welcome back, folks. Uh, again, Charles Goldman with me. Um, thanks for joining us, Charles. Um, you know, uh, I... Frank well, was calling from Beijing. <laughs> Frank was in Beijing. <laughs> no, he was not calling from... Uh, that much I'm certain of. I, I really doubt he could even get into Beijing. Actually, I'm not sure any of us could. Maybe you could as a doctor. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't try. I've been in China. It's a, yeah, really. It's a, it's a very strange environment, you know. And I was there at a time when they were being a little bit more open. But when uh, was that? Uh, this would have been 2010, 11. Before I was in Hong Kong before the uh, crack, way before the crackdown, you know. Okay. And um, it was after the 2008 Olympics. After the 2008 Olympics, but before the crackdown. All right. Yeah. 
Well, let's go back to our phone lines. Uh, let's welcome uh, Dan uh, Kelly. Hello, Dan. Welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. How you doing? My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. What's I'm on your mind good. today? I'm doing good. It's a cold day here in Newton. Uh, well, what is a question. Is it any different than Des Moines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not that far apart. But, uh, yeah, I think we've we've had our share of bad winter here this, this time around. Oh, quit your whining and tell me what you're calling about. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we've got enough snow here to uh, send some to China. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what the uh, carbon impact would be on that, but if well, we I, load up a couple of truckloads and, and or, send them over there, we, they can have some of it. No, they're going to build a pipeline to get it to the West Coast so that <laughs> yeah, they can, they can export how do you, it. How do you get it to flow? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't all figured it out. I just want the snow gone. So, all right, well. <laughs> I haven't figured it out. But I, I had a thought on the Olympics. Okay. I was listening to the show earlier. You know, it's easy to take a look at the Olympics and just think, well, how does it look based on the, the politics of the world that we're living in right now? But I think we have to remember that there's been some times where some really good statements have been made during the during the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the I think the most obvious one is the 1936 Olympics when Jesse Owens, you know, uh, won a, a major victory right in front of Hitler himself. Um, you know, that was a, a great moment. And if it wasn't for the Olympics, we wouldn't have that. And, uh, you know, the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City um, with the, uh, you know, the raised hands on the victory stand. I think, you know, when the world's watching, there's an opportunity for um, good statements to be made. And I think, you know, before we just kind of say, oh, the Olympics don't mean anything today, you know, maybe we would just realize we've those things do happen and they happen when they're least expected and we need to keep watching and, and, and see what's next. Well, it's, um, it, it's interesting. It's interesting, Dan, you bring up the, um, you know, uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos uh, raising yes. the, the I, I couldn't recall the names, but I knew. Yeah. And, and everyone if, has the image in their mind. Actually, yeah. what, what's actually more amazing about that event yeah. was the Australian runner who was up with them. And yes. he actually um, was supportive of them and wore something that indicated his support for what they were doing. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. he was like the Australian world record holder at that point. He never ran right. again in Australia. Oh, he was so right. castigated. But when he died oh. recently, huh. um, I can't remember the Carlos or Smith is still alive, but one of them went over there, you know, and the the... the it was the courageousness at that time of associating himself as a white man from a country that was not much better in terms of being racist than we were at that time. Yeah, they weren't right. better. They're just as bad. So, so back to my point, right. you know. So, so let, let's treat. You know, I, I don't. I, I support not holding the Olympics. I think, it was, I think his in name a, was Peter Norman. If in, I in, in a country that's really has, has a horrible uh, human rights record, but yeah, really? look at all the look at all the real positive stories that come. I mean, I mentioned my positive story, just watching Dave Waddle win the 800 meters in '72. Now that that changed my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I I think there's a lot of good stuff there, Charles. What do you think? Well, I think uh, I'm just I'm just, I'm, just glad, I'm just glad I have a caller that agrees with me this time. I'm, I'm, I've already said what I think. I think that that the choice the choice of China yeah the choice of China was it's disastrous. 
And I, I really have a problem with so much of the Winter Olympics because of the nature of the sports. Dan, Dan, one more but word. Dan, go ahead. One more word, and then I gotta gotta take another caller before we run out of time. Fire away, Dan. Well, I think uh, the Olympics have, have kind of evolved even during my lifetime. I remember when I was ten years old and the U.S. hockey team beat the Soviet Union, and I knew that was a big moment. I didn't understand all the politics involved in it, but I watched enough Olympics to know that. Even though there were different countries there, there were basically two teams, Eastern Europe and the Western countries. And we had a big victory, and they were uh, just young college kids that beat basically players that were, uh, by all means, professional lifetime Hall of Fame athletes on the Soviet team. And, um, you know, sometimes these these moments happen, yeah. and uh, those are the lasting legacy of the, the Olympics. And, um you know, yeah, there are some very privileged people competing, but every once in a while we have a great story. Yeah. Like even Eddie the Eagle, remember him? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you just gotta you gotta hold on to the good moments. And yeah. what was it yeah. the Jamaican bobsled team? Oh yeah, the Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> Dan, yeah. thank, thank, thanks so much for your call, Dan. Yeah, thank you, Ed. Have a good have a good day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's those are really good points. I, I, I well, I'm not saying never have the Olympics. But it, but it's become a rich person's plaything, and this is and and it's so tone deaf to be holding it in China. And you know, take going back to Frank's point, you know, now they'd already made the decision. Here, that, here you are using well, no, using Frank. They had to already made the arguments. decision, obviously, <laughs> to have the Olympics well before COVID. Came. Sure, of course. And, and so the handling of COVID in China, you know, we can't we couldn't have known that was going to happen, but. Um, no, I'm not saying I'm, I, I. I actually said that there are times that sports can unify. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, lacrosse was a game played by Mesoamericans as a substitute for war. Yeah. Right. But we don't play the Olympics as a substitute for war. So while Dan brings up some very moving moments that have mostly meaning to us as Americans, um, I, I don't know whether it justifies all that happens in, in, in getting an Olympics, the corruption that's involved in getting an Olympics. But you, you but you wouldn't end the Olympics, right? No, I'm not going to end, say I mean, you yeah, I mean, end if the you, Olympics. If you could wave your magic wand and do no. that, you wouldn't do that. No. But I mean, the fact that, that NBC is paying billions to televise the Olympics from yeah. this totalitarian state, yeah. I think this is a real problem. Yeah. All right. Uh, folks, uh, again, 515-519-6323. If you want to join the conversation, text us. We'll bring you to the program. Hey, it's Bill Witt from uh, Cedar Falls. Hello, Bill. Welcome to the program. Hey, hey Ed. How are you? Good. You're sounding good. Well, you're, <laughs> thank you. Your usual self. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have a doctor Hello, next Charles. to me. So. How's it going, Bill? <laughs> What's on your mind? You know, this discussion about the Olympics is, is kind of one of these, oh, look at that bright, shiny thing. But it doesn't carry the weight uh, and the import that our public education, the threat to our public education does. Um, and I thought Charles had some very good points. One about you know getting back to the good old days of segregation and discrimination through private education. And that is really kind of at the heart of what the, what the Christianists, and I spell that XR, um, <laughs> Christianists, but, but seriously, um, this goes back, this runs parallel to what the Koch brothers cabal has been attempting to do with the rest of government. And you go back to the 1960s, 1970s, 
just as the economist James Buchanan sort of laid out the game plan for the Koch brothers in terms of using the rules, our constitutional and electoral rules, to take over the mechanism of government, there's also been this plan uh, for over 50 years about how Christianists can take over the education system. Um, and I, I draw your attention to the unforgettable name of Rouses Rushduni, <laughs> who in 1970 published a 12-volume Institutes of the Christian Religion. And a key to that was how do you degrade public education? How do you make it to the point where um, conscientious parents will no longer want to educate their children in public schools? And, and from there, you take the step of um, creating essentially academies, private academies, and only graduates of a Christian approved school system would be allowed to hold public elected office <laughs> in the United States. This is called constitutional reconstruction. So Bill, what's and, the, but let, let me ask you this. What's, what's the... It seems to me like, yeah, okay, there may be a religious uh, mo uh, effort to try to take over the schools. Yeah. But I, th I think it's well, or, or I think just, it's, I think it's just well. To make them make them useless for the, well, for the general public. But I think it's well, you know, well aligned with the corporate. Away from, get away from the whole notion that, you know, society okay. is, but don't, is what is served but by don't, public But education. don't you think mm -hmm. corporations have the same interest of basically finding a way? I mean, they, they don't really care about the religious side of it. They just want the money. And I think well, those two agendas I, line I, up pretty well. I, I disagree. I yeah. think I think there, there, I'm, I'm with I, I Bill. That, I'm with Bill. I don't Bill. think that's as much of an issue. Here. Oh, man, here this corporations is... corporations want people to work for them. They want skilled people who can do what they want them to do. But mm -hmm. uh, where it where it comes in on the other side, you have the political side, and you'll recall uh, when you and I were serving in the legislature, and the Republicans had taken over. They immediately began attacking public education, oh, yeah. and especially yep. the public teachers unions, yeah, right. which are the most effective counterweight to the Republican Party machine. But it's even uh, more and, its even more serious and, now. Well, because what they're trying to do here, the book banning thing is both a shiny thing to hang out there for their supporters, but the book banning thing is part and parcel of the same thing Bill's talking about. They are trying to establish a tyranny of the minority in this country. And the yep. best way to do it is to do it this way, which is to leave the public institutions eviscerated by being left with those who are harder to take care of, more difficult and more expensive to take care of, while they get to pick and choose and exclude anybody who doesn't fit their religious beliefs. It's the new freedom of religion is what they're, this is what they're yeah. talking Bill, about. I, Bill, I've got, I've got a minute left. Give it your best parting shot. <laughs> well, I think Charles just gave you a pretty good one. But yeah, we are, I mean, Democrats are always fixated on the shiny object. And it doesn't matter. Here we are with the Olympics. But really, they're out to take over the society. And make it like um, Zurich in the 16th century. <laughs> no, that, that may be a little obscure. That may be a little bit too arcane, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but seriously, no, this, this is a deep, it's a very deep, long-running campaign against public education, mm -hmm. and it's all part of, again, their effort 
uh, that there are no public goods. There are I, only private goods. I think we're going to have to continue this conversation. Yeah, this is, this I, is a good I'd love one. To I that. agree. Yeah. yeah. Bill, thank yeah. you uh, so much for your call, Bill. Okay, Ed, we'll talk to you again. Yeah, Take care, Bill. And Charles, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, folks, again, this is Ed Fallon with Charles Goldman. Thanks for joining us. That's and my uh, when we come back from a short break, Kathy Burns joins me and we, send, we share a tribute to our much beloved pet and an important member of our farm team, Cat uh, Mika. Back in a minute for that conversation. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store. With over 5,000 items to choose from, you can order groceries online and the Gateway team will bring them to you curbside. It's a convenient way to shop from anywhere and save time. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week with catering and floral services also available. Visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Klipsham is adamantly and actively committed to supporting the mission of the Fallon Forum and community radio stations. Mark knows we must all live and work with the goal of building better health for both people and planet. And he works to implement that vision through his stewardship of architecture by synthesis. You can learn more at architecturebysynthesis.com. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures, great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Remember, you can support this alternative to the right-wing shock jocks by becoming a monthly donor, or if you own a small business or with a nonprofit, you can also become a sponsor of this program. And thanks to our sponsors, including Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Uh, Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in both English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. I'd like to welcome Kathy Burns to the program for what might be a, a bit of a sad segment, but uh, we need to talk about this. Our beloved cat, also a member of our farm team, passed away last week. Yes, and it was it was a, a beautiful passing in some ways. She was a, a really good cat. Ed mentioned she was part of our household, kind of like a family member, part of our farm team. And um, she had some funny quirks, as all cats do. Um, yeah. But I think the very first thing we should tell about Ed, you, you were with her when she was very <laughs> tiny. Yeah. She had a very interesting entrance into this life. I, some of her quirks may be attributable to um, her initial, uh, our initial rapport, I think. I mean, I got her when she was 10. She was, first of all, she was born on, on Gandhi's birthday, I like to say, October 2nd, 2007, for that's what that's worth. And uh, her mom was hit by a car when she was pregnant. And when she went to deliver the kittens, every one of them was born dead except for Mika. Mika was the only cat in that litter born alive. And so 
we got the cat and the kitten. And the kitten at that point, like I remember carrying her around in, my, in the palm of my hand. She was so small. Uh, and, um, and then I would put her on my shoulder. She mm-hmm. would learn how to ride on my shoulder. And she learned how to drink from a sink. And that's all she ever wanted to do. So, yeah, she was quirky. <laughs> I, I have seen other cats drink from sinks. Mm. But I've not seen many cats ride on the shoulder. That's usually a parrot. <sighs> Well, I know, but she would go for, I would, I'd walk a mile. I mean, I wouldn't walk across the country with her, but. Uh. <laughs> well, when you and I first started dating, she would walk around the block with us a little bit, and eventually we were taking ballroom dance class, and you had her on your shoulder, and we danced, uh, I think right. it was a four-count swing for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, and she she was an indoor-outdoor cat, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she really valued the outdoor part, and we really valued having her be outdoors because she was good at controlling animals that uh, wanted to eat our gardens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why on our Birds and Bees Urban Farm webpage, she's listed as a team member, team member, and now we have to, you know, put a little in memoriam for her. I know know some people won't like to hear this, but she was really good at controlling rabbits. And Mm -hmm. uh, I remember one year, not too many years ago, she, I think she feasted on 24. (laughs) That's a lot of rabbits. Then she went into retirement when she started to age a little bit. But that was so just last about, year. About a year ago, yeah. she she just sort of wasn't doing that anymore. And we could we could tell that she was mm. getting a little slower. For instance, um, she could have, if, if there were an Olympic event for going <laughs> in and out of doors as many times as you can in a two-minute period, she would have gotten the gold in my, that. My best was the time that she was winding to come in the back door, mm-hmm. ran through the house to the front door, and wind to go out. I mean, literally just a straight shot. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Well, it's part of a cat's tendency to want to have their people right. do whatever they bid them to do. <laughs> Wrapped around the finger, so to speak. Right? I was really yeah. glad, Ed, when we started dating, because I've always been a cat person. I was glad that Mika accepted me that meant a lot to me because i thought if the cat doesn't like me i'm out well, she slept on your side out. of the bed <laughs> it's because i sleep near the door oh maybe okay <laughs> i think that that, that but, we've proven um, that yeah i mean yeah you know and a cat is a and a lot of a lot of people a lot of farms have cats mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's to control the mouse population and we never really have had a mouse problem. Not much. Uh, and when we do, I seem to be pretty good at catching them with a with a little snap trap. Uh, but she was really, really powerful at uh, at snagging rabbits. And again, rabbits are a big problem. When you've got anybody who gardens seriously knows that rabbits, especially when they're breeding breeding like rabbits, they can be a problem. <laughs> I could tell when I was getting to know Mika too that she hadn't been around a lot of little children growing up because mm. they terrified her. She, <laughs> her eyes would get big if little ones came in. Their eyes would get big. She would find a way out. She used to not be as sociable with other people, but as she aged, she seemed to warm up to guests. And even when we'd have some house parties, sometimes she might stay in the room for a little while before finding her quiet spot upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe what she she died what February, January thirty first. January thirty first. Okay, um, interestingly, for what it's worth, the day after Gandhi died. Oh, so anyway, I'm I'm, I'm just just realizing that now. For what that's I, I, big. I mean, that means nothing, but I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> so um, <laughs> she's not. There's no connection to Gandhi at all, other than the birthday. But um, she she started even in late October, like October 29th. I think we have a video of her playing with the stuffed toy mouse. Mm-hmm. 
the one that Rosie and Dolly, the grandkids, helped, yeah, helped so, me make. Because she was fairly do, mm -hmm. doing well until just fairly recently. And um, very grateful for our, our veterinarian, Kim Holding, was, uh, who also does, does um, promote her visits on this program. But um, besides that, I mean, she's really did a fantastic job at just making sure Mika had her shots. And then when she was starting to go downhill, she really, um, you know, looked after her well and, and gave us some instructions as to how to manage the cat in hospice. And that, went, mm -hmm. that was an interesting experience, but it went, again, really well. Well, that was interesting for me. I, I've been with cats when they've died. I've been with dogs when they've died. I've been with people, um, not at the moment of death, but on their way. And um, it, what Mika was doing looked very familiar, but it was it was it was peaceful. That was the nice thing. Not everybody that I've seen died was had a very peaceful mm. passing. She did. She had a few moments where she was in pain. I mean, I remember the very last moment uh, I was in the other room reading, and I heard her like cry out. Mm -hmm. And we came in, and we were there with her. Um, she and died you, maybe ten minutes later. When you, you say know? in, you mean right yeah. here in this room, right under where I'm <laughs> yeah. sitting. This is where she chose to she, be, actually, her. literally right under where Kathy is sitting. And little known she's fact, she's not still there. She's not there. No, <laughs> little known <laughs> fact, we had we taped two programs with the guests sitting um, above where Mika was hospicing. Which is thank a little. You, thank, just, you, Joe, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Mark. Right, <laughs> it's really kind of you to just be accepting. And they were. They were just right. lovely about the fact that yeah. that's where Mika was, and she had chosen that, and we had a quiet space in here for her. Anyway, we'll miss her. We don't know what we'll do about rabbits going forward. <laughs> I'm not going to eat them. No, but the rabbits. But they. They will definitely. I mean, I, we'll see what happens, but hopefully. There'll be plenty of other food for them to eat, and they won't. I mean, we don't mind rabbits and other animals taking a little bit of food, but when they take the entire crop, that's going too far. Anyway, anyway. we're, we're going to miss Mika. Bye, Mika. Something powerful. Thanks, uh, Kathy, for joining us. Thanks to our callers today and to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks to our local small business partners, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, Western Optometry, Groovy Goods, and Dr. David Drake Family Psychiatry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Bold Iowa and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And remember, your support for this program matters a lot. Go to the Fallon Forum website to learn more about how you can make a difference. Again, thanks again. We'll be back next week with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.